welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. On July 9th, 2016, there was a famous matador, which is a, it's a bullfighter. People with the red capes and the swords. He was fighting a bull that weighed over a ton, that's more than 2,000 pounds. And his name was Victor Berrio, world-renowned bullfighter. He knew what he was doing, but he died a, a terrible and gruesome death on live TV. The bull, he entered the stadium, and Barrio's standing there. You can go watch the video. Barrio stands there with the red cape, and then he steps aside, and then the bull comes at him, and he sticks him right in the chest with his horns. He punctured his lungs several times. He severed Barrio's aorta, which is important, I guess. It's part of your heart. And inflicted damage around Barrio's heart. It sounds gruesome and gory, and we're like, well, I'm never going to be a matador, so who cares? But the Word of God compares the tongue to a wild beast, saying if you, that we've found out how to tame almost every wild beast under the sun, but we have not yet found out how to tame the tongue. It says that in the book of James. And so what it's saying is that there's something more powerful and something more dangerous and something more lethal sitting between the roof of your mouth and your bottom jaw than that bull that killed Victor Berrio. And we use our words recklessly. We use our tongues recklessly. When we say tongue, what we mean is basically our words. Our tongue, mouth, words, they're all synonymous. It's the way that we speak. It it even includes our tone. Proverbs talks about this. And so as we continue our study of Proverbs, we're going to look at what a fool's mouth looks like. And then we're going to look at what a wise man's mouth looks like. And then we're going to look at some of the implications for that, all from the Word of God and primarily from Proverbs. In Proverbs 12, 18, which is where you should turn and we'll be kind of anchored tonight and continue to go back to this verse. Proverbs 12, 18 talks about this very thing, about being pierced by words. But then there's another side to it as, to it as well. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless, the words of the fool, in other words, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so as we look at the tongue... And as we look at the mouth and as we look at words, it's not solely about the words that you say. The Bible tells us that what you say simply reveals something about your heart. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. So when you speak, it's showing, it's exposing, it's revealing what's actually in your heart. If something comes out of your mouth, it shows what's going on in your heart, an attitude or a condition, or perhaps even the nature of your heart for some of you. And (laughs) I was studying this preparing to preach on it and that afternoon I was having a conversation with someone and I stopped myself like six times in the middle of the conversation like uh, that's not something I should say uh, that's something I'm about to preach on I'm not doing the word of God is convicting and so I hope my hope is that by showing you what a fool's mouth looks like you understand and you're convicted by it 
but I also hope to show you the grace of God because the second half of the verse that we're looking at says the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so I don't want to just leave you with the word of God having pierced through you, but I want to also show you the healing that's to be found. And this, if I can be personal with you for a moment, this on the tongue is something that I have struggled with for a long time. The Lord is sanctifying me in. He's making me more like Jesus in this way, and he has been, but I have a long way to go. And I'm convicted of the way that I speak and even the things that I say all the time. And when I was nine years old, I was hanging out with my family, and I said something disrespectful to my parents. And so my mom took me upstairs, and she opened the fridge, and she pulled out the hot sauce bottle, and she said, open your mouth. And she covered my tongue in hot sauce. Praise God for parents who discipline you. That was a good lesson I learned that day. But that doesn't go away when you're, when you're not with your parents anymore. When you get into the real world, now, now when I'm having a conversation with my best friend and I say something harsh or unkind, then it's the Spirit of God that convicts me. And that burns a lot more than hot sauce on the tongue, the Spirit of God on your heart and on your soul. And so this is something that's important and something that we need to learn and something that I think as Christians we kind of let slide under our radar a lot of times. We're like, well, if I'm not... Uh, murdering someone and it's okay it's like the the tongue is sitting in your face right now literally inside your face and it's the most dangerous weapon that you have and so we want to understand it we want to understand what to do with it and how it works and what the bible says about it and so the tongue can do great things the tongue with your tongue you can proclaim the wonders of god the works of god the mighty power of god and the gospel of god and with that same tongue you can go around hurting and burning people around you And so again, we're going to look at three things tonight, just so you have a structure in your mind. We're going to look at three things. One is the fool's tongue and the dangers of it. And these are real dangers. Think of the story of the matador. Two, we're going to look at the wise man's tongue. What is the wise man's tongue like and and what's that healing like? And then thirdly, we're going to consider what to do with everything we've learned. So first, the fool's tongue. In the beginning of our verse, it says, the first half of it says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Everywhere that I've found in the Bible as I've been studying this, illustrations are used for the tongue a lot. And so I hope you come away with some illustrations tonight in this. And I'm just going to use biblical illustrations. The tongue, it is powerful. And some of us, we walk around having serpent-like tongues. Have you guys ever seen the the, tongue of a snake? They kind of like flick it out every now and then. And it has a fork on it. It's forked at the end. And when we speak, we just bring bitterness and we bring poison with us. And some of us, some of us just open our mouths. Maybe this is you at the locker room at school. You just open your mouth and it's just sewage pouring out. Disgustingness. There's nothing good or profitable about, about what we say because we have these serpent-like tongues that are injuring people around us. So what's the fool's tongue like? Here's three characteristics of the fool's tongue. And these are all from the book of Proverbs. I skimmed through the book of Proverbs and I found the things that show that the characteristics of a fool's tongue. Here they are. Number one is lies. The fool lies. And lies, if you remember, they belong to the devil. If if you go back to the Garden of Eden, it's that serpent who's been lying since the beginning. He was lying in the Garden of Eden and he's, he's the opposite of God. We know that God is truth. There's no darkness in him. There's no confusion in him. He is truth. And the devil is the opposite. He spits out lies. He spews lies. And, and some of you who habitually practice lying, you're just going around and hissing, just like your father, the devil. Those of you who are not saved, you go around hissing like your father, the devil, lying without consequence. 
Here's what, here's what the Bible has to say about lying. Proverbs 17, 7. You should write these verses down and check me. Proverbs 17, 7. Fine speech is not becoming to a fool. Still less is false speech to a prince. False speech, lying, is not becoming to the greatest of people. In our case, false speech is not becoming to Hollywood stars. Don't, it's saying don't do it. Proverbs 19, 5. This gets even more real. It says, a false witness, lying, will not go unpunished. And whoever pours out lies will not go free liars will be punished. They will not go free. So applications to consider in your heart or perhaps with your tongue. Lying is being, lying is being double-tongued. It's having, again, that picture, it's having a forked tongue. It's saying one thing and then going somewhere else and saying another thing. Or perhaps it's saying one thing and then living another way. Maybe um, I could have you up here and you could recite all five of John Calvin's points to me. Theology brain. But then you go home and just are slandering people around you. Or perhaps lying to your parents. That's living a double life. It's lying. And that that's, makes us a liar. Lying, again, here's another one. Lying is not just saying what is untrue, but it's also believing or embracing what's untrue. It's embracing the lies that the culture puts before you, that the world puts before you. <laughs> I hate it when people are preaching and they make social media their soapbox. But just to be real, Instagram, TikTok, all these things are feeding you lies. You know that. You're sitting down to a filth feast, a garbage feast with the rest of the world. And be careful not to embrace those things. Be very careful not to embrace those things because you'll be filling your bellies with the same rottenness that the world's taking in. Be careful. So lying includes not just saying a lie, but also embracing a lie, believing a lie. Another one, lying, another application, lying has to do with small things as well. It's not just big lies, quote unquote, Little white lies, as they're called, there's no such thing. Every single lie, any deviation from the truth, any stepping outside of the truth is a big black lie. And so, with these things, consider whether you lie. Lying is detestable to God. And it is a characteristic of the foolish mouth. It's the first characteristic. The second one is slander. Slander, um, brothers and sisters, I'm speaking more to believers even so now slander is one of the biggest pitfalls i believe for christians because it sort of sits in our blind spot a lot of times we will go up to someone we'll be worshiping and praising in church and singing to god and blessing god james talks about this blessing god and then we step out into the lobby in the auditorium and we're like man can you believe what she did have you seen this guy we're slandering gossiping and that is a characteristic of the foolish mouth it's not, we come up with these excuses and ways to justify it. Oh, we're just talking, or I'm just telling you this so you can pray for this person. No, you're slandering. Slandering's not just venting. It's slander, and it's satanic, because it belongs to the devil. So write down these references. Proverbs 20.19, Proverbs 16.28, and Proverbs 10.18. Proverbs 20:19, Proverbs 16:28, and Proverbs 10:18. If you got one or two of them, that's good. I'll read them to you. This is what God has to say about slander. The word of God, which is true, and is truth itself, says this: the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. Here's another one: a dishonest man spreads strife, or a dishonest woman spreads strife, and a whisperer, someone who goes about in secret talking about other people separates close friends is the last one whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets therefore do not associate with a simple babbler 
Don't associate with people who slander. And so the, James talks about how our tongues can be like a wildfire set on fire by hell and setting other things on fire. It's dangerous. It's like that bowl analogy. It is dangerous, and we have to figure out what to do with it. When I was in California, me and the boys were driving in this dinky little Prius down the highways. And we, we would uh, look out on these mountainsides, these huge mountainsides. And California has really bad wildfires. And all you'd see is just these charred stumps, black grass, because it was burnt. Just nothingness. It was decimated, destroyed. And this is what the picture James is trying to present. It's like a wildfire. It sets things on fire. It destroys. It is destructive. And, and some of us, we go around just spitting out flames on people, destroying people around us, even people that we claim to love, even people who are enemies, whom we are told that we are to love. And we slander their character. And slander, again, it is a characteristic of the foolish tongue. So see, check your heart, consider if you have a foolish tongue, and perhaps check your tongue. Because what God says is rather than slander, he says we are to love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. If you've been forgiven in Jesus, Jesus has covered and cleansed your sins. So also go and love others and cleanse their sins then. Don't bring them to the light. And then thirdly, the third characteristic of a fool's tongue is stupidity. You heard me right, stupidity. So these are those things that you say that that come from a prideful heart. Remember, the tongue, it's just a projection of what's going on in our hearts. And so these are the things you say that come out of a prideful heart. And sometimes they invite a beating. Or perhaps it's just droning on and on and on about ourselves. Proverbs 17, 28 says this, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. The Bible says if you're a fool, it's better for you to zip it than to keep talking. Proverbs 18.2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. Does that sound like our world to you guys? Everyone's got an opinion and everyone has to air it. Turn away from those false opinions and turn to the word of God. Proverbs 18.6, the lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. Again, this is a story from my own life and I'm not proud of these stories. That's why I can tell you them up here is when I was young, I, I disrespected my parents another time. And my mom said, all right, you're getting spanking for that. And I laughed at her because it didn't hurt. (laughs) And she said, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah, I invited a beating with my mouth. Don't be a fool. Proverbs 19.29, penalties are prepared for mockers and beatings for the backs or butts of fools. It says backs in the Bible. Stupidity can lead us, it can lead us to babble on and on about ourselves, or stupidity can reveal that we're the only person that we care about. Because if you're babbling on and on about yourself, then who do you think you care about in your heart most? It's yourself. Or our tongue can literally invite a beating sometimes, like the story I told you guys. So, with all of this said, this, these are the characteristics of the fool's tongue. Lies, slander, stupidity. And they reveal something greater that's a problem of the heart. It's not just a problem of the tongue, although the tongue does the injury. It's a problem of the heart and what's going on inside of you. So consider your heart, because this is God's word. If you feel convicted by this, this is what God's word does. If you feel like like you've been lying or perhaps slandering, or perhaps you're just stupid with your tongue, God's word shows us that, because God's word is truth, and God's word is righteous. And so see that, and remember our, remember our passage. It says in Proverbs 12, 18, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, 
but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And praise God that that's true. Praise God that we aren't just left with the first half. Because if we were just left with the first half that says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, then we'd all be living our lives thrusting swords into each other or getting marred by bulls. But the second half is sweet. It says the tongue of the wise brings healing. So let's look at this now. What is a wise, healing, grace-filled tongue look like? And again, like I said, if some of you are realizing that you might fall into that category of a fool, I'm going to show you what a wise person's tongue looks like. In fact, one wise person's tongue. And then I pray that you would understand that and that you would receive the grace in that. So here are these words now. Our second half, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. What does this mean? Let's explore this. Uh, Proverbs 16, 23 is another sweet verse that says, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Has anyone ever had a honey, honey in here? Have you ever had the honeycomb, like the hard part of the honey? Yeah, it's really good. It's really sweet. It's like the sweetest thing. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. That's the opposite of a destructive, destroying fire. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. They're sweet to your soul. Gracious words are. And now, believer, you who belong to Christ, hasn't God spoken a good word to you? Hasn't he? From one wise man and more than wise man, both truly man and truly God, our words and even when our words and our tongues were busy destroying one another, thrusting swords into one another, and even some of us blaspheming God, at the same time, God has not left us. God's not left us all to sit here with foolish tongues. It's said of Jesus in the Psalms that grace is poured out upon his lips. Remember the gracious words are like a honeycomb and they are sweetness to the soul? Well, grace is poured out upon the lips of Jesus. And Jesus' tongue was powerful enough to call the tax collectors and the fishermen out of, their, out of their job and to become apostles, to dedicate their lives to preaching the gospel because their lives were transformed by Jesus calling them. That's Jesus' speaking to them. Another, Paul, or I'm sorry, Saul the murderer becomes Paul the martyr. How? The calling of Jesus, because Jesus had spoken a gracious word to him. And the same thing tonight, whereas the, the law, God showing us how we are fools, breaks us. I hope that we feel conviction. I felt conviction studying this. But the grace of God also calls us. And it calls us to see Jesus and, to and for our lives to be transformed by that. So think about this. What are the gracious, gracious words that Jesus has said to you? Remember that gracious words are sweet like a honeycomb. So what are those gracious words that Jesus has said to you? In his word, in the Bible. If you're sick and you're full of sin, and you know this, if you're feeling like God's wrath still rests on you, I'm not talking about you right now, believer, but if you feel like, if you are without God and you feel like God's wrath is sitting on you and you do not have forgiveness, Jesus said this, and these are gracious words, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, those who have foolish tongues, paraphrase. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And so if you are a sinner and if you are sick, you are in the prime place for Jesus to show you grace. From his gracious mouth, there's a pardon. A believer, are you weary? Are you, are you tired? Haven't you heard Jesus saying, 
Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, this is your Savior, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's a promise of God. He's gentle and lowly, and you will find rest for your souls. Are those not honeycomb sweet, gracious words to you? Or are you anxious? Are you worried about, maybe I know some of you are going down to college this year. Are you worried about finances or getting into your classes or meeting new people down there? Are you worried about that? Young, younger um, grades, are you worried about what the future holds for you? What you're going to do with your life or perhaps you're, I don't know, worried about anything? Your friend groups. Has your provider, has your believer, has your heavenly father not said to you, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Isn't that a honeycomb, sweet, gracious word from the mouth of Jesus? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and his righteousness is shown through his son. So seek first the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, and all these things will be added to you. Or another one, some of you, do you wonder if Jesus will keep you, or do you feel sometimes so torn, wondering if Jesus will really love you until the end? He has promised to do so. Listen to this. Didn't your shepherd say, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, I give them. You didn't take eternal life. He gave it to you. And that means no one can take it from you. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You have a powerful God who keeps you and the work that he's begun in you, he will bring to completion. And again, not only is he powerful, on the one hand, he is powerful and he will keep you. But also in John, it says, having loved his own, he loved them until the end. That's speaking of Jesus. And so the power and love of God combined will keep you. Having loved his own, he loved them until the end. Aren't those honeycomb sweet, gracious words? Or some of you are mocked for belonging to Christ. I think of some public schoolers or, or perhaps maybe someone in your family mocks you. If you're mocked for being belonging to Christ, being one of his sheep, remember these sweet words. Our strong king, our victor, the one who conquered the world says... In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. That means have courage. I have overcome the world. He's already done the overcoming. You have nothing more to do than to, to look to him and to remember what he has done for you. That's honeycomb, sweet, gracious words. And this is, this is beautiful. Perhaps the sweetest, the sweetest words ever spoken under the sun is the words that he spoke from the cross. Grace is poured out upon his lips, and as he's on the cross, he says, it is finished. Brothers and sisters who are in Christ, that means that all of your working, all of your striving is completely done, and you have perfect, finished rest in Jesus. And so, there's nothing more to be done. You can't do anything else but to throw yourself on Jesus' finished work by faith. That is a honeycomb, sweet, gracious word from the lips of Jesus Christ. And will that not bring healing to your souls to know that? There's a, there's a short verse that says this. As water flows out from his side to cleanse, so sweet words flow out of his lips to bless. As water flows out of his side to cleanse, so sweet words flow out of his lips to bless. Honeycomb sweet words. And in the Song of Songs, she don't normally turn to, but there's some beautiful passage in there. The bride says of her lover, his lips are most sweet. Bride of Christ, 
if you are the bride of Christ, if you are members of the church, you have tasted of the gentle and sweet and kind and gracious words of Jesus. So remember again his gentle words to you and have healing in your soul. They're sweetness to our soul. We're made alive by them and we'll be brought to the end and right into glory by those words of Jesus because his word is good. So those things are healing to our soul. So what should we do with this? We've looked at what these sword thrust, reckless words are like. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. We've looked at the foolish tongue. And we've looked at the wise tongue, which belongs to Jesus. And it brings healing. All of those things that I said to you, remember those things. Because Jesus says them to you through his word. The tongue of the wise brings healing. That tongue belongs to Jesus. And so there's a few things that we have to do with this. One is, if you don't know Jesus, if you cannot tell me that you can stand with confidence before God, just like the verse Parker read, like Joshua did, if you can't tell me that you can stand with confidence before the God who created you, the holy God and the righteous God who demands absolute perfection and say, yes, you should be right before him. And this is what you do with the same tongue that you've been blaspheming God with and destroying other people with right now, tonight, confess that the Lord, confess your sins to the Lord and believe in your heart that he is the Lord. The Bible says this, if you confess with your mouth, the mouth, tongue, right? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's a promise of God. And that also should be sweet to you. If you don't have hope before God, if you don't have perfect and complete confidence before God, then repent and believe in him and you will be saved. Those are from the word of God. And then believer, here's some practical things. Speak grace, gracefully. Speak gracefully. Paul says this in Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer each person. Let your speech be gracious. If you've ever read the book of Acts, the apostles, they go out and they're, they're preaching the gospel. They can't shut up about what Jesus has done for them. They, and they can't be silenced. And what they do is they speak winsomely and they speak gracefully of Jesus. This is what the transformed heart does. Just like when your heart is dead and in sin, so your tongue will be like that matador or like that bull destroying other people. Once your heart is transformed, then it begins to speak gracefully. It begins to sound more like Jesus. And they make, the apostles, they make winsome and sweet arguments for the gospel. And they preach the gospel winsomely and sweetly. But they preach it firmly as well. So speak gracefully. Speak gracefully of grace and offer eternal life to, the dead, to this dead world. That's an evangelism. Second, or the second one is to encourage one another. Second practicality for believers is to encourage one another. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, I hope that that can be said of our group and I, or perhaps in the future we can look back and we can say this of our group, just as you are doing, that we would already be doing this. But if not, Paul is exhorting you. He exhorted the church in, in Thessalonica to do this and now he's exhorting you through the word of God, which is living and active, to encourage one another and to build one another up. And this doesn't have to be cheesy, okay? I think as modern people, we have a hard time encouraging one another, genuinely, because we're so much in competition with one another. Guys especially, there's more guys over here. 
Guys especially, we have a hard time encouraging one another. But Paul says, God commands us through Paul, encourage one another. And again, it doesn't have to be cheesy. Look at your friends and think about how God is working in their life. What fruit of the Spirit do you see the Holy Spirit working in their lives? That way, it's not really about them. All you're doing is you're looking at them and saying, man, God is, God is good and he's working in your life. It's all about God at that point and not even about your friend. But that will be an encouragement to them, just as Paul has commanded us. So encourage one another in that. And further, encourage one another in the hope that you've received. If you've received Jesus Christ, then encourage one another, push one another in that, and exhort one another in that. Preach the gospel to each other. Remind one another of the grace you've received and remind one another of the sweetness of Jesus, even the sweet words we were talking about earlier. Encourage one another. And thirdly, speak of heavenly things. There are so many, so many worldly things that are easy to talk about. From something simple like the weather or sports to things that are actually worldly and are sinful to talk about. But we are, as believers, to speak of heavenly things because we're headed to a heavenly country where we will live for all of eternity. We're here for moments and then we'll be in eternity forever and in glory forever. So speak about those things. Here's a great, great quote for you and then we'll close. On speaking of heavenly things, the world is a great inn or like a hotel. We are guests in this inn. Travelers, when they are met in their inn, do not spend all their time in speaking about their inn. They are to lodge there but a few hours and then they are gone. They speak about their home and the country to which they are traveling. And so when we meet together, we should not be talking only about the world we are to leave here presently. We are to talk about our heavenly country. So with our eyes fixed on that, let our tongues also be fixed on that that we are headed towards that direction and let us push, encourage, and exhort one another on towards that. Having received the grace of Christ and those sweet words we've talked about. So brothers and sisters, speak gracefully, encourage one another, speak of heavenly things, but most of all, more than anything else, remember those, those honeycomb, those sweet, those gracious words that Jesus has spoken to you for the healing of your souls. For all you who've received him. Grace is poured out upon his lips. Father, thank you for your word to us. 